Hey, hey, Catherine here. Quick question for you. When you started your business, did you consider how you'd stand out from the crowd? Or did you just start putting out content hoping people would notice? You answered yes to the latter. You're not alone. Pretty much every female entrepreneur I've worked with inside my signature program, Messaging That Sells, or in any of my one-to-one experiences, have said they want to learn how to stand out online or at least cut through the noise. That is why we spend time inside my program learning how to position your offer and finding out what makes you different. Because as you're probably already well aware, standing out online isn't always easy. There are so many people saying, join TikTok, go in Clubhouse, use hashtags, go live weekly, just do all the things really. But being visible isn't about doing all the things and being on all the social media platforms. And over the next few episodes, I'm going to break down why and how making these shifts will be a game changer for you. So make sure you tune in. But before we head back to solo shows next week, we have another special guest on today's show. It's Dr. Ty Belknap, and he has quite the story. He was a homeless as a teenager. Then he became a beach bum surfer. From there, he found his inner nerd and started in the tech industry. By 25, he was a network engineer working at companies like Microsoft, Compact, and HP. At 36, he left the corporate world and started a web design and online marketing company before it was called SCO or Search Engine Optimization. Now with a doctor of strategic leadership and life coaching, Ty Belknap runs Port Bell SEO with four employees none of which live within a 4,000 mile of his office. I'm so excited to have him come on today and talk to you about two hot topics, how to hire a virtual team and SEO, search engine optimization. So without further ado, let's welcome Ty to the show. After generating over a million dollars in sales and selling one of her businesses with a single email, your host, Katherine Thompson, takes an unconventional approach to marketing and sales. So if you're ready to tap into a more powerful way to be seen, heard, and a sought-after entrepreneur in your industry without having to spend endless hours marketing your business and chasing clients, you're in the right place. Be the Sought-After Entrepreneur Podcast is here to help you ditch the cookie-cutter, one-size-fits-all approach to marketing and use your unique energy to effortlessly attract the most aligned clients. When you do this, you can spend less time marketing your business and more time doing your soul work and enjoying the richness of your life. Welcome to Be the Sought After Entrepreneur Podcast. And here's your host, Katherine Thompson. Hey, hey, I am super stoked to have Ty on the show today to share about how to build a team, also about SEO. So Ty, I'm going to turn it right over to you so that you can share with our listeners who you are, where you're from, what you do, what your story is, and why you do what you do and who you serve. Well, thanks, Catherine. I'm, I'm really happy to be here because I like talking about teams, mostly because my entire team is remote. Yeah. And I started my business back in 2002. And when I started my business, I would literally have people that wouldn't want to work with me because my team was remote. Interesting. Yeah. Now I have businesses hire me so that they can learn how to do remote teams. the change has been that paradigm shift has finally happened (laughs) yeah totally and i know with remote teams i know that's like something that people are fearful of i think just building teams in general right especially if you're coming from like being a solopreneur and transitioning into hiring a team so i know you do a little bit of seo as well so share with our listeners like 
I guess, a, a snapshot of your business? Like, how do you support your clients, so to speak? Okay. We run an SEO business and we also do coaching as well. So we, especially with COVID, we've done one big shift in that we are very happy to train people on how to do SEO themselves. Yeah. At least some of the basic stuff. Your SEO gets really techie really quick. Yeah. But there are some things that people can do without worry about doing the coding and stuff like that. But let me back up just a bit. Just in case, let's say some of your people don't know what SEO is. Yeah. Let me give you a quick analogy. And I've used this analogy. Actually, I have a video on my website about what is SEO, and I use the same analogy. Yeah. Think about a movie that you've watched, or I'll pick on a specific movie that I watch. Yeah. I bought one of those DVDs or Blu-rays that has four movies in it once. And you, you buy it for the one movie, but yeah. you kind of wonder what the other three are about and how bad they might be. Yeah. <laughs> but I watched one of the other movies, and the weird thing was, was this movie was amazing. It had A-list actors in it. The way that they interacted was fantastic. Everything about the movie was great, except the score. Now, I'm not talking about the songs that were in there. It was that background music. The background music was off the entire movie, and it ruined the entire movie. Interesting. That's what SEO is. Okay. SEO is that background music that you never notice until it's done wrong. Ah, so for our listeners who don't know what SEO is, search engine optimization. Correct. And when you say it's done wrong, can you give an example of how SEO can go wrong? The biggest thing is, let's say you go on to Google, let's say you've been in business for at least six months. Yeah. I'll give it six months. You've had your website for six months. You go on to Google, you type in the website name, and it doesn't show up at all. Right. So not typing in keywords to try to find them, but actually typing in your business name or your website name. That is SEO done way wrong. Ah. And that doesn't mean that you had an expert come in. That means that the website itself, when it was created, wasn't created correctly. But that's still a part of search engine optimization because it's a part of getting into the search engines. Right. And so why is that so important for businesses just starting out or mid-level businesses, you know, They're all at different stages. My listeners are all at different stages of business. So why is SEO so important or search engine optimization so important for them? And that's an excellent question. The answer is that Google, right before COVID hit, did a research study that was two years long. Ah. And they figured out that over half of the searches that people do on Google are local searches for local businesses. Over half. I mean, think about all the searches you do. Funny cat videos, you know, whatever (laughs) it might be. Half of those searches are for local stuff. So for local businesses especially, it is super important to get into the search engines because that's how people are looking for you right now. If at least your website isn't even in the search engines, you have a problem. And I actually have a free workbook we can talk about later if you want. For sure. If they want. But even if their business name is in the search engine, you don't necessarily need to be found for your business name. You need to be found for what you do. Like if you're an architect, It doesn't matter what your business name is. If people type in Seattle architect and they can't find you, it doesn't help. Exactly. And so that's the next step is the keywords. Or let's say you're a plumber, but you're being found for architect and not for plumber. Yeah. I see that quite a lot as well. People get found for the wrong keywords. Interesting. In fact, a great example of that is my own website. I did a review of an investment portfolio that I actually was a part of. Yeah. And I started getting hit at the top of the search engines for this review. 
but this review has nothing to do with SEO. It has nothing to do with my business. So it didn't help me in the least bit. Yeah, too funny that you say that because I used to own a brick and mortar winemaking business. We actually sold it a year ago. And I created blogs for my website. One way to increase or improve your SEO is having keywords laced throughout your blogs on your website or the content on your website. And I wrote a wine pairing blog. And so I was giving a recipe to lasagna, but I was writing what lasagna paired well with based on the wine. Well, I was getting people calling wanting to like order lasagna or like, why do you have lasagna on your website? And so I was like, I remember thinking, oh my goodness, I've totally done my SEO wrong here. Now they're thinking I'm in the food industry and I'm totally not. I just produce wine. So yes. (laughs) Perfect example. You have an idea of getting the right keywords in, but for some reason, Google, Bing, Yandex, whatever it is, finds the wrong keywords and you start getting higher for those even when you don't want to. And we do a lot of that. We do a lot of fixing that. We do a lot of fixing websites so that they can be found in the search engines in the first place. I mean, the number one thing is, does Google even like your website? Right. If if Google doesn't like your website, you're not going to show up. Right. No matter what else you do. Yeah. And when you say doesn't like your website, what factors go into that? Is it like the design of it? Is it a combination of design and content? Is it how many people land on it? Like what goes into Google maybe not liking it? Step one is definitely the design of the website. Okay. There are a lot of people that do like WordPress or do Wix websites because they want the free websites. Unfortunately, Wix doesn't work with Google very well in the least bit. Interesting. One of the big reasons is if a website is created wrong, even if this is no fault of yours, some templates have this, so there's nothing you can even do to fix it. But there might be what's called a fatal error. Now, a fatal error, you'll never see. The website will show up and everything looks great. But on the back end, there's a fatal error that the search engines see. And when they see that fatal error, they stop looking. Yeah. Like, oh, there's a problem. We're not even going to go any farther. Right. So that's step one. Step two is how fast is your website? Because especially in Google now, so many people are searching on their mobile phones now that Google is actually ranking how fast your website loads as one of the biggest things that they look at. So if you and your competitor have similar websites, but theirs loads faster than yours, theirs could be higher than yours. Right. So it's, it's simple things like that. And that's all in the design process. Yeah. Google is even updating their algorithms to look at how user-friendly the website is. Yeah. How easy is it to find links? How easy is it for people to get around in the website? It's getting that smart. Yeah. And so for business websites, I know we all love to create these things that look amazing. Yeah. (laughs) But the big thing is, especially for business websites, is can the customer find what they need to find quick and easy? Yeah. And that's what Google's starting to rank more and more as well. Interesting. And it's, you know, the speed of it. I know when back when I was working in corporate and then transitioned into consulting work, a lot of the small businesses that I worked with, yeah, had these like fancy websites, so to speak, with like lots of like flashing and moving parts, but then you run the test on it and it's like the pages aren't loading quickly. And then now obviously, yeah, with mobile phones and people searching more on phones or tablets or that sort of thing is like optimizing your your website to actually be mobile, mobile friendly. So, and when we're talking about ranking on Google, just for our listeners who might not know, or this is new to them, 
we're not talking about paid ranking, right? We're talking about organic ranking. Right. Think about it. Almost every single search on Google is somebody looking for a problem to be solved. Yeah. So that's why you get into a search engine. You have a problem and you want it solved. Yeah. So when Google gets that problem, they say, okay, what's the best way to solve this? What's the best website I can show them to solve this problem? If they didn't do that well enough, we wouldn't keep going to Google. Right. <laughs> We'd be going somewhere else. Yeah. And so Google's entire purpose really in life is to make sure that they come up with the best answer to the questions that we have. Right. And that's also what's important with the website is does the website actually answer that question as good as possible? Yeah. So is it just your website that is search engine optimization or it does it do your social media or anything else play a factor in that in being searched or found on Google? Well, this is where we can really get really techie nerdy. Okay. Search engine optimization is SEO. Yeah. Search engine marketing is SEM. Yes. Social media marketing is SMM. Yeah. So we can do acronyms all day. (laughs) (laughs) And confuse the hell out of everybody. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. SEO is only done on your website and it's natural stuff done on your website. If you're doing Google ads, that's not SEO. Okay. And part of the reason why we like doing SEO is that the disadvantage is it's slower. Search engine optimization takes time for you to get your website higher in the search engines. But once you're there, it's easy to keep you there. Okay. And so like with paid ads, yeah, you might pay that you're at the top of the search engines immediately, but the minute you stop paying them, you're gone. Right. Social media marketing the same way. You know, you do Facebook ads, you show up everywhere, but at the minute you stop doing paying for the ads, you don't show up anywhere anymore. <laughs> yeah. And that was what I was going to ask too, was like, once you do SEO or implement SEO strategies for your website, do you stay ranked higher on Google or... Do you have to continue to do things? I know, again, a, a lot of listeners um, and people that I've talked to is like they're doing their blogging, right, to keep their SEO ranking high. Do you have to do that? Or like you said, once you get ranked high, do you just stay there? That all depends on your competition. Okay. We had a client that we worked with that does, um, you know, they do the, the those coats over parking lots yeah. to make it look all nice and black again. Yeah. Well, I'm in the Pacific Northwest and there's literally three companies in this tri-state area that do that. Right. And so getting them to the top of the search engines took about two weeks. And I never had to do a thing ever again to keep them there because there's only two competitors. (laughs) Right. An attorney, and I hate to say this, but one of the biggest searches on the internet is a DUI attorney, especially when the holidays come around. Interesting. So a DUI attorney to keep them on the top of the search engines is several hours a month, every month, constantly, because there's tons of competition for that. Right. So it all depends on your competition. Generally, what we do is, yeah, it takes a little bit more time. We have levels that people can hire us for, depending upon how much work they want to do, how fast they want to get to the top, and how many other things, like if they want social media and stuff. Right. Generally, what we'll tell them, especially for the search engine optimization part, is go for a higher level for about six months. Let's get you there. Then we'll lower it down to a maintenance level to keep you there after that. Oh, cool. Cool. Yeah, it's such a, an interesting thing. And again, you know, it being organic, right? I think a lot of times people, especially when they're just starting out or business just starting out, you know, they they might not have a big ad budget <laughs> to 
invest in, say, Facebook ads or social media ads or, you know, paid ads, billboards, newspapers, radio, whatever you're doing for your business, but so that they're looking for organic ways, free ways, which is to grow their business. And, and SEO is a really great way to, to do that. Yeah, it is. In fact, I actually, if you don't mind my saying this, I created a free workshop that people can yeah. go to. Awesome. It's called DIY SEO yeah. Pro. Oh, awesome. Uh, so awesome. DIYSEOPro.com. If you, yeah. you go there, it's a free workshop that gives people the three biggest things that they can do themselves to get hired right now. in search engines right now. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. And I love, again, too, how you kind of mentioned that it's sort of this long haul game or this like, we have to be patient with it, but it does vary depending on the industry you're in and the competition in the market and what you're trying to like in terms of ranking, right? It might take two weeks or it could take six weeks depending on what your industry looks like. Is that right? Or it could take a year. Yeah. Okay. Literally it could take a year. I had an article that I wrote, which was the, the top eight ways to get to the top of the search engines. Yeah. And it didn't show up for probably almost six months. And then, you know how what, what Google's yeah. doing now times where you, you type in something and then the top thing is they have that little list thing yeah. where you can just read the list without having to go to the website. Yeah. So we had nothing for six months. And after six months, all of a sudden it popped up right there on its own. Yeah. And so you never know what Google's going to do or when or how or even why. Yeah. Yes. If we all knew how it worked behind the scenes and how the, yeah, the logarithm and the AI and all the stuff behind the scenes worked, uh, we all wouldn't be trying to figure it out on a daily basis in the marketing world. So, <laughs> so guys that do a Google podcast and even they admitted that it's so big right now that yeah. they don't even know exactly how it works. Totally. Totally. <laughs> you know, I know some people, we get so in our head sometimes as business owners, we get frustrated with the behind the scenes of Google or Instagram, right? As like, how does it work? And, you know, I just want my content out there so I can help people. And like, why does it have to be so complicated? But I do believe that Google and Instagram and Facebook, they really are trying to sophisticate what they do to deliver the right content to the right people. And that's what they're really trying to do. And so exactly that I think it's they're just perfecting that tweaking and refining that over the years just to get better and better and better at putting that content. And that's why I think it's so important to create content on your website or on social media that is really directed at your audience and has a purpose and a value. Because if it doesn't, then Google or Instagram or Facebook, they're not showing it, right? And so it's usually not the behind the scenes, a logarithm that's blocking your content. It's just that those platforms don't see it as valuable for the audience, or maybe it's not in full alignment, like my lasagna post that I did on my website. (laughs) I was getting people wanting to order lasagna. I was like, no, 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 I don't sell lasagna, I sell wine. So I rethought my blogs after that. But I do want to talk about your team and how you've built your team because you've built this SEO business and you started as a solopreneur. And I know a lot of my listeners, a lot of my clients are solopreneurs and they're really wanting to grow their business. But building a team, especially a virtual team, is something that a lot of owners have fear around or just don't know how to do it, don't know how to set it up. What are the best ways? Where do I find quality team members, all of that. And so I'd love for you to share your story about how you went from solopreneur to now running a team, a virtual team. Yeah, I'd be happy to talk about that. And yes, when I started, it was just me. And I'm very good at website design. 
Right. Let me define that just yeah. a bit because website design is actually the coding that you never see. Yeah. All the stuff that you see is graphic design, which is different than website design. And I am a halfway decent, yeah, um, only halfway decent <laughs> graphic designer. I'm not a great graphic designer. <laughs> yeah. And so as I started getting more clients and they wanted higher quality work, the first thing I did was hire a graphic designer. And the first thing I thought myself, and this is back in, I'm going to say 2004, right yeah. around there. Yeah. My first thought was I want someone local because I don't want to have to worry about some remote person being flaky and disappearing one day. And I hired a graphic designer and he was amazing. There's a tiger at the zoo here and I love the face of the tiger. So he took the picture and hand drew the picture and that became the logo of my company for quite a long time. Wow. He was just fantastic at it. One Friday afternoon we were talking and we're talking about what we're going to do on Monday and how we're going to do it and everything. And, And I was giving him an update of what I needed by the end of the day, Monday. And Tuesday comes around and he never contacted me. So I call him and he goes, oh, Saturday morning, I decided to move down to California. I live in Napa Valley now. I'm going to be doing artwork for vineyards. Wow. And I'm not kidding you, literally, from one day to the next, gone. And so I realized if that's going to happen with local people, then it's going to happen with anybody. (laughs) Yeah. And that's when I started actually hiring remote people. I figured may as well hire a remote. Yeah. And at that point, what I did was I only hired freelancers. Right. And so I'd go to places like, you know, TopTal or Upwork or Fiverr or something like that, just hire a person for a job. Yeah. And it's funny because I taught myself this without specifically meaning to. (laughs) Yeah. Is I found a person who was an amazing freelancer. She did a, a great job for me. I worked with her for about a year. And after a year, I said, hey, what if I just pay you X amount of dollars every month and you give me X amount of hours every month. And we just set that up rather than doing this per job thing. You just know that you've got those hours and anything extra we'll figure out. And she was very happy to do that was my first employee. And she was in Pakistan. Okay. And so that's how I got my first remote employee was actually, she was a freelancer for me for a year. Yeah. And so that's, kind of set the stage for me. So now what I do is whenever I have an open position or something I need filled, I hire freelancers. And freelancers are just as flaky as local people. Yeah. (laughs) I'll say for every 10 freelancers I hire, nine and a half will disappear within two months. Yeah. (laughs) So finding that one freelancer that does the work for you when you want it done at a price that's affordable for you is tough to do. But yeah. that's why I do it that way is I'll, I'll hire them as a freelancer for a year. After a year, I'll, I'll offer them as a part-time employee. Right. And then after another three to f- six months, I'll offer them as a full-time employee. And that's how I currently have all of my four or three full-time employees right now. We have four people total that work at the business. Amazing. And so what's the reasoning, I guess, behind like going freelance and then part-time and then full-time? It's really to vet them, especially with my kind of business. It's it's techie. Right. So I can't just, you know, hire anybody to do it. They they need to know what they're doing. Right. And so, but it's also whenever you're working with someone closely, you need somebody that has a good personality that or was it good, a personality that fits with yours. Yeah. But at the same time, you don't want a person that thinks exactly like you. Right. And so that's what I look for. Whenever I hire a freelancer, I look for a person that's willing to take the extra step and 
to give me ideas that I didn't think of, as well as doing the work that they're supposed to do in a timely manner. And so as long as those things fall into place, I keep hiring them and then vetting them. I've had people that have had all my criteria and literally in three months, they disappear. Yeah. And so they're still flaky. So that's why I wait a year and probably other people wouldn't have to wait that long. That's just me. Yeah. But that's why I wait that long to make sure that they're going to actually stick around. For instance, my current designer, I don't know what's going to happen to him. He just moved to a different country. Yeah. And so there's a lot of change and a lot of people for him. Yeah. And of course, she's saying that he still wants to do the work and everything. But I'm now I'm sitting there going, okay, let's make sure that, you know, that it still stays consistent. Yeah. And you make a really good point about hiring people that don't think like you, because I think there's a massive misconception with business owners, CEOs, they want to hire someone, they want to clone themselves, right? And I've heard that all the time. I just want to find someone who does what I do and how I do it. So I just clone them and they're exactly the same because if they are not, then what if they screw up or what if they post something wrong or what if they do something wrong? And you make a really good point of like actually looking for people that operate differently than you or think differently than you. And why is that? When I first started in business, I don't even remember who said it or how I heard it, but somewhere I heard, if you and I think the same, one of us isn't needed. Right. (laughs) That's that's literally why I do that. And it it makes perfect sense to me. It's like, why do I want to hire someone that thinks exactly the same way I do? I don't, if I want to have a bunch of yes men around me, sure. But if I want people who are willing to, to challenge what I say or to give me different ideas, and this has worked in my favor many times. Our current logo, I had an idea for it. I hired a freelancer for it. Yeah. Our graphic designer is not a, lo- a logo designer, so I hired a, a freelancer for it. I had a very specific idea of what I wanted. I told them about it. They gave me the idea that I had, but then they gave me two ideas that they came up with. I used one of their ideas. It right. was way better than what I was thinking of. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I have shifted my perspective for sure. Like, I think I was the business owner years ago where it was like, I just want to clone myself because I'm so busy and I just want someone to take over the tasks and and all of that and just do it the way that I would do it. So I don't have to train them and all of that. But then I realized similar to what, you know, what you're saying is that like, in order to be challenged or have people think differently or offer you different perspectives, spot your blind spots, you know, present you with different ideas. And when you hire exports in their area like i'm not a graphic designer you know i'm not a web designer right so if i want it done in a way professional and i'm hiring the expert to do that right and to offer me those perspectives so how did you know when you were ready to hire someone when i was working too much literally it's uh, working 10 hours a day seven days a week no break and the work was still piling up yeah. And on top of that, like I said, I'm a halfway decent graphic designer, but I'm not yeah. a great one. Yeah. And I realized, I think I realized before my clients did that I needed to offer a higher quality of work. And that's what I recommend. If, now, this works for small businesses, but not necessarily for big businesses. Right. When you're first hiring people, think of the tasks. I, I would write down every task that you need to do in your business. Yeah. And then order them in how much you like to do it. The task that you like the least should be the first task that you hire out to somebody else. <laughs> totally. And for a lot of reasons, one big one that I always say is that those tasks that you don't enjoy or you don't like are 
going to drain your creative energy as a CEO or a leader of a business. I know when we had the brick and mortar, the first thing I was hiring, well, we had an accountant, but we also hired a bookkeeper because we we had the accountants, but then we weren't managing the books. And I hated doing the books. My husband didn't enjoy doing the books necessarily. And so it was like, let's get somebody to have this all cleaned up for us and manage that. So yeah, writing down the tasks, I think, Here's the thing that I found. I don't know if you found this, but I found because I was so busy that I didn't even take the time to write the tasks down. I just knew what I was procrastinating. (laughs) That was like a first sign to me. I was like, I'm procrastinating these things. Like, obviously, I don't want to do them. So you've hired mostly remote. Your whole team is remote. And again, I know a lot of online business owners, course creators, consultants, experts, you know, the whole idea of having a remote team, again, is how do I manage them? How do I manage expectations? How do I know they're going to do their job? Like, how do we do that? How do we facilitate that? And so I'd love for you to share with the listeners, you know, how you've managed yeah, to, to have a purely global team. The big thing is, and, and this works whether you have a remote team or a local team, communication. That's the big yeah. thing. Remote teams are more difficult or more important with communication because you're not seeing them every day. They're not there constantly. And so yeah. you have to you have to keep in mind to communicate with them. But you also have to keep in mind, like my web designer used to live yeah. in a time zone that was literally 11 hours different than mine. Yeah. Two o'clock in the afternoon for me was one o'clock in the morning for him. So yeah. I couldn't send him a message and expect to reply in five minutes. Totally. <laughs> And so you have to manage expectations as well. That's right. He just moved to a time zone that is now 23 hours different than me. So he's only an wow. hour hour different, but he's a day ahead. Right. <laughs> yeah. So deadlines and stuff, like having really clear deadlines and when things need to be done and giving yourself enough time. What I found with my remote team, global team, they're overseas as well. And so they're a full day ahead of me and all of that, it's really helped me plan stuff out, like really plan things out and know that I can't, you know, exactly like you said, send a message now and expect a response or send a message at two this afternoon and expect a response because they're likely sleeping. And so I find as a leader, a CEO of a business, really force you if you want to say, but really make you, you know, get super organized with all of the things that you need done and really clear on what those deadlines are and and all of that. I also love that I can't send a message and get a response right away. Because I think we live in this world of like that expectation of like, if I send an email now, I hope to get a response ASAP when, you know, that's the world I feel like in business we live in. So it's kind of nice to have to know that that's yeah, we, we're not going to get those instant responses, so to speak. So yeah, there are lots of applications that can help with the communication like Slack, or there's so many organizational apps out there now that it's really it's just a matter of picking the one that you like the best. Yeah. And yet managing the expectations is big. Like I can't tell my guy, let's say it's Tuesday today. Yeah. And I tell him, hey, I'd like you to get this thing done, but can you have it done by Wednesday? Well, it yeah. is Wednesday to him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't have it done. Right. So, so you have to change, you have to change even the way you communicate. So can you get this done in the next day or two? Yeah. Or even if I said, can you have this done by Wednesday? Let's say, there's only a 12-hour time difference. Well, it's already midnight to him. He's not going to see it for another eight hours. <laughs> totally. Yeah. And so getting really clear on expectations, another big one I know for me, just learning my own lessons in business as a owner is getting what I have in my head as an expectation has to also fit, you know, 
what's doable for them or your team. So, and you were saying that you've, you find most of your employees or found most of your employees on places like Fiverr or Upwork or that sort of thing. Is that correct? I found all of them there. Okay. So you're not like posting a job on an online job forum. You're actually seeking out experts and what you need. Right. And the reason why I like using Fiverr and Upwork is simply because of how they manage the money. Right. When you hire someone on either of those two forums, your money goes into an escrow account. Right. And then they do the work. You get to view the work, find out if the quality is high enough. And if it's not high enough, you don't have to pay them. Ah, okay. That's the one disadvantage to TopCal. Now, TopCal, I've actually never had a low quality item because they only hire the best. That's why they're called TopCal. Okay. TopCal, you're paying per hour no matter what you get. Ah, okay. And so that's why I don't use it quite as much. I still use TopTal sometimes, but not quite as much as I use Fiverr and Upwork. Okay. And so what would you say are important things for people to consider when they're looking to grow their team or, you know, make that transition from solopreneur to maybe even having one team member? Even if you're going to be hiring a freelancer first, I would get onto, especially if it's remote, get onto Zoom, get onto something else, actually speak with them in person. Right. Even freelancers are willing to do that usually. Yeah. And keep in mind, they may not, English may not be their first language. Right. So if it's a graphic designer, that doesn't matter. If it's somebody that's doing content writing for you, yeah, that does matter. Yeah. Because you want to make sure that they can speak fluently and write fluently. Totally. And of course, with graphic design, that doesn't matter. They're creating an image. So it, it look really carefully. I guess that would be the first thing is really define what you're looking for and what kind of job you're trying to fill. Right. Don't say, I'm busy. I need help. Say, I need an accountant. I need a graphic designer. I need a content writer, whatever it might be. You know, I need somebody to do sales. You can hire freelance salespeople. Yeah. And so whatever it might be, figure out what that is and think of a specific job. And this is how I start off with new freelancers. I think of a very specific job for them to do. And I have them do that job. And I try to talk with them in person at least once or twice during that job. So I can get a feel for their personality at the same time. Yeah. And see how they do with that one job. And then, of course, the better they do with that one job, the more likely I am to hire them again and work towards them being an actual employee. Yeah, I think, you know, you you touched on a really good point there as well. It's like, don't just say I need help. But I do know that a lot of business owners operate in what I call that like survival mode, right? Like they're just getting through the day and they're checking things off a to-do list and they're, you know, the to-do list is 90 miles long. And if they get the first five things, it's like, woo, that's a win, you know, but there's all that it just gets added to and added to. And they're barely keeping their head above water is one thing I felt my brick and mortar is like, I could barely keep my head above water. Like you said, just you made a really good point of like, not just hiring because you're busy, but getting really specific with the role that you want these people to fill. I know for myself, I've done it both ways where I've hired just to get help. Yeah. But it's really hard for me to manage expectations because I didn't even really know what I was hiring them for. I was just like, I just need help. And then so daily, you're just throwing work at them. They might not even be an expert in what you're giving them, but they're, you know what I mean? And so it's far easier, I found, to manage the expectations when I had a really specific role I wanted that person to fill and I knew what I wanted them to deliver ultimately. So 
what would you say are some of the most common mistakes people make? I think I feel like I just shared one is like just hiring because they're busy and just trying to get the help. But are there any other common mistakes that people make that they should avoid when hiring? Actually, I think you really, really touched on it is not even just with hiring. And to me, this is the biggest business mistake that I do because I do business coaching as well. Yeah. And especially when people start out, they're so busy about working in their business and getting sales and getting customers and getting everything just right that they forget to work on their business. Yes. And working on your business is planning. You know, what is your organizational chart look like? Chances are probably don't have one. Yeah. (laughs) It's good to have one. That's when I figured out the roles that I needed other people to fill is I made an organizational chart of every position that I expected to be in the company. And then I circled all of the positions that I didn't want to do. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So those are the ones I could hire other people for. Whether I was doing them myself right now didn't matter. I had it on paper. This is how we get overwhelmed as we're thinking about so many different things at once. We don't have any of the answers. We only have questions and we start getting overwhelmed. Start writing them down on paper. It gets it out of your mind. Yeah, And so it alleviates a lot of that overwhelm. And whether it's a business chart, whether it's planning your vision, your mission, your whatever it is, get it written down. I would say spend at least 10% of your time. So if you're working a 40-hour week, you're spending at least four hours every week yeah. working on your business, figuring these things out versus working in your business on the day-to-day stuff. And yeah. me personally, what I do is I go away. I go to a coffee shop. Once every three months, I go to a hotel for the weekend and just pound through trying to figure out how I want my company to look in the next four, five, six months. Yeah, such a great point as well. And I so relate with it, having worked the brick and mortar world, having sold it now. And a lot of that was, I mean, I did spend a lot of time on growing it. But I know now when I help businesses with their messaging and copy, one of the biggest things I see is this they're just in operation mode and they want to grow and they say they want to grow, but they're just doing the day to day and they never have time to actually do the, you know, the work that I'm working with them on even. Right. And I see that so often with business owners, like I, well, I didn't have time to get to your email or I didn't have time to get to the thing, but it's like the thing that's going to grow your business is working on your business, not in your business. And one thing that I learned too, you know, in the brick and mortar world, I've now taken it to the online world is even hiring somebody for an hour a day. And a friend of mine actually told me this who owned a brick and mortar for 12 years was like, just hire somebody an hour a day. Because I think there's the whole thing too of a solopreneur where they're in that position in their business where they don't have enough money, so to speak, or they don't feel like they can afford to hire people. And so they're like, I just can't hire anyone, can't can't afford it. But in order to grow your business, you do have to grow a team eventually and get the help, right? You can't do it all on your own. And so even hiring somebody an hour a day to free up that mental space that's running, that allows you to then think about how to grow your business or how to work on your business, that will free you up to like work on your business. And I always say when you're operating from that place of burnout or overwhelm, you can't creatively think anyway, you know, and you said that in terms of the, you just have a lot of questions and not a lot of answers. So yeah, and, I, and again, I think, so what would you say to somebody, because I know I get this question a lot, well, I can't afford to hire somebody. 
I can't afford to get the help. What are, are there things that people can do without getting the help, so to speak, that can maybe free up some of their time so eventually they will grow to a point they can hire? Or what would you say to someone who says, I can't afford to get help? If you say you can't afford to get help, then you haven't looked at freelancer sites. Okay. I mean, my logo cost me $30. Yeah. <laughs> and, but see, not only does I'm, and most small businesses don't have a logo. So yeah. to me, that's a great place to start. Yeah. It teaches you how to hire a freelancer. It teaches you how to work with them and communicate with them better. And plus it teaches you how to expect a product. And so I would say, yeah, go spend 30 or 50 bucks. I'm, I'm sorry, if you're in business and you don't have 30 or 50 bucks, then yeah, you, you've got problems. Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. So, yeah, hire a freelancer, just do something small. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm sure if you're in business and you don't have a logo, you know in the back of your head that you need one. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. So it's another one of those things is cluttering up your brain. <laughs> yeah. And again, like doing things in sort of small steps, right? Like just wetting your feet, so to speak, getting out there, hiring somebody, testing out, seeing how it works, just experimenting with that. Or like you said, you could even hire someone an hour a week. Yeah. Or you could go to, depending upon the kind of job that you have, local high schools and colleges sometimes look for businesses to have interns. Yeah. So you can have an intern for an hour or two a week. And that way, at least it helps you to learn how to interact with other people. Me being a solopreneur, I'm also a huge introvert. I work 10 hours a day alone in my office and I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so having another person in my office teaches me a little bit at a time to have that social interaction more. Right. Again, online brick and mortar, different worlds to some degree, but like, you said, you know, and when I hired that person, I mean, I literally hired them to like come in and clean, you know, pour wine, that sort of thing. Like it was just a lot of the day to day tasks that because you're, I say, confined to a brick and mortar, but you're there retail hours, right? So it's different than online where you can set your hours around your schedule virtually. But this, it was like 10 to 6 or 10 to 8 that your doors were open to the public, so to speak. And so even for me, it was like, I could go have lunch. I could go grab a coffee. You know, I could go for a walk around the building or go for an hour walk or whatever. And that in and of itself really helped. In the online world, when I got into the online world, it was like, I'm not going to try to do everything myself. I did that in the brick and mortar, burnt myself out really badly. And then I got in the online world and I was like, why am I doing these things and doing work that's one, I'm not an expert at. So I'm spending double, triple, quadruple the time trying to build a website, <laughs> trying to, you know what I mean? Like, why not hire the people that can do it? And it's done a lot quicker. Yeah, you, you're paying them money, but you're also saving yourself time and energy and effort that can go to doing other things in your business that are actually going to move the needle in your business. Yeah. Personally, I couldn't imagine someone running a brick and mortar store and it only being that one person. I did it for two years. Yeah, it was difficult. And it was also, you know, again, it was back to that. We had the money to hire people. I just, I was just, can they do it the same way that I'm going to do it? And I also was so already energetically burnt out that I didn't want to train people. Like I just communication wise and training, I just felt so exhausted. Like, oh, I'm gonna have someone come in and I'm gonna have to train them on all the things. Like, I just don't even have time to do that. But you're never going to gain more time if you don't do it. And so you just have to like suck it up and do it and train them. And then eventually, you're going to have more time. That's the solution. So yeah. And I've also found that whenever I mean, and of course, this is no guarantee. But for me, whenever I've hired someone, I've 
very quickly brought in more clients to be able to afford not only them, but more than what they're, what I'm paying them. Yeah. So my business, every time I hire somebody, my business grows. Totally. Yeah. I, I can't explain that exactly, but yeah, it, it, maybe it's because I'm less stressed out and I can concentrate more on the things I know I'm good at. I've got somebody that's good at something else. So the quality of the business expands. So maybe that's why we're getting more clients at the same time. But yeah, every time I hire somebody, my business grows. 100%. And that's what I think, what I would love, you know, to sort of reiterate or empower solopreneurs who are trying to do everything themselves and don't maybe feel like they have the time to train or they don't have the money to hire. I know in the brick and mortar world, when we hired, we grew, hired, we grew online business, same thing. You hire a team, you grow I find more and more me now is like the mental space because I am a writer and I focus a lot on messaging and it's very creative work. If I'm blocked mentally or I have a lot of overwhelm going on or burnout in my brain, I just can't create. Yeah. So hiring for sure does help expand your business, the quality of the work that you're putting out there, but also really helps you grow. I highly recommend anybody who's operating solo to even hire, like you said, you know, hire a freelancer that's going to do a logo. You're not committing to having them full-time and paying a full-time salary. It's just getting your feet wet and communicating and training and creating expectations around what you want someone to deliver. So exactly. Well, even now I will, like I have, I have an article I need to write for a client and I'm again at the point where I need to hire another person and I do most of the content writing myself. It's one of the things I'm good at, Yeah. but I'm running out of time. So I just might hire a freelancer to write the most of the article for me. And then I will go in and just make the changes and just to make it better. Yeah. So I even do that sometimes. That's a brilliant idea, right? Is like get even first drafts or first cuts on things where you can, yeah, go back in and, and edit or change. Yeah, such a great a lot idea. easier to edit content than it is to create it from scratch. Yeah, and you can't create it from scratch, honestly, if you're coming from a place of burnout. Lots of my clients come to me and they're like, I just don't know what to write or what to say or how to say it. And, you know, and I you dive deep into their business. And before you know it, you just you realize how overwhelmed they are with all of the things going on. And it's like, well, no wonder you can't write or think about what you want to write or what you want to say, because you're just totally overwhelmed and burnt out. So do you have anything else you want to share about teams or SEO with our listeners today? One thing about teams, actually, I'm working with another person right now on creating a training yeah. on how to hire and keep remote workers. Amazing. And now my part is the remote part. He actually works with local employees and how to hire and keep employees. And so we're working together to do this. So and cool. we've already decided we're giving it away for free. Amazing. We're not going to charge a penny for it. It's not a sales tool. You're not going to get this little tiny bit and then you have to pay for more. <laughs> it's we're, we're doing the entire training at no cost. Amazing. Anybody that's interested if you go to portbell.com, which is my website, you'll see success tips as one of the links and, and then join the club. Join our club. It'll get you on our email list. So you'll find out, you'll be one of the first to find out at least when that actually comes out. And we're hoping to have it out by the beginning of the year. Amazing. Amazing. Hopefully it won't be too long before it actually comes out. And it's going to be, if I'm not mistaken, five lessons might be six lessons. We may have added it on a sixth one already. Yeah. We're, we've been so excited about doing this and we keep adding more on that We don't want it to be overwhelming for anybody, but, but yeah. you know, it's basically step-by-step how to hire a freelancer, how to hire an employee, and even more important, how to keep them. So amazing. 
and such a useful training for people and awesome that you guys are doing that that for free but because i know it's something that people struggle with and they either try to hire and then that doesn't work out and then they're too afraid to continue so they just stop doing it and so i just think it's so so beneficial so I always wrap up my podcast asking my guests what success means to them because I am on a bit of a mission to redefine success because I think success is what people make it for themselves individually. It's a very individual thing. And so I'm on a bit of a mission to help share that message with the world. So what does success mean to you? Business success to me means having happy, satisfied customers. Amazing. And employees. Yes. Both actually, because your employees really are your number one customer as well. Yeah, I love that you say that because that was something I learned really, really early on when I graduated back in 2003 from university was your employees are, like you said, your number one asset, your number one customers. And if they're not happy and well on the inside, it's going to be reflected to the outside and to what you deliver to your to the public. So definitely. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. So where can people find you? I know you've shared a few links throughout this episode. We will include those in the show notes. Where can people find you? Portbell.com is the best place if you want to get a hold of me. We're on Facebook. So if you want to do the Facebook link in the notes, that would be great. If you're interested to find out if your website is Google or search engine friendly, go to tiesfreebook.com. Amazing. And it's a free download. Then again, there's no sales tool. There's nothing that says, I hate it when people say, here, get, get this for free. And they give you the first step for free. And then you got to pay a thousand dollars for the next five. <laughs> yeah. I don't do that. Awesome. And so yeah, ties It gives you independent sites that you can go to, to make sure that your website doesn't have the errors, that it's loading fast, all the fun stuff. Amazing. Amazing. And so, so useful for any business owner that has a website and wants to up their ranking on Google and the search engine. So it's been such a pleasure chatting and connecting with you today. I'm super stoked to have this episode drop. I know we talked a little bit about SEO and team, so it's a bit of a combination, but I think it's going to be really beneficial for the listeners. So it's been been a pleasure. I had a great time, Catherine. Thank you so much. As you could probably tell, we could have split this into two episodes because they're two hot topics, how to hire that virtual team or how to hire your first team member if you don't have a team already and search engine optimization. So I love how Ty demystified SEO, but also gave you some wisdom bombs around how to hire a virtual team. Now on episode number 24, we are heading back to solo episodes. Just me and the mic, y'all. Are you ready for it? So I have a huge favor to ask you. If you enjoyed today's episode, I'd love for you to take a screenshot of you listening to it and tag me in your IG stories. Why? Because it shows me that what we're sharing is valuable to you. And that way, I know who you are as well, and I can share the love back. I'd really appreciate it. Cheers. Thanks for listening. We'll see you right back here next time. You can also find us on social media at Creatively Owned and online at creativelyowned.com. Until next time, keep showing up as your authentic self.